0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Josh, and welcome to Lex City. If you're online at lexcity.tv, we're so glad that you've decided to join us uh, today. For all of those of you here in person, it's great to see your faces today on this beautiful holiday. Weekend. Uh, if I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, uh, like I said, my name's Josh, and uh, I've been on staff here for seven years. I serve as our worship and creative director here at Lex City, and I absolutely love the team I get to lead. Um, everyone that you see in the booth, in the video team, all of our camera operators, to everyone on stage, they're an incredible volunteer team. Um, we, we call ourselves Can you just give it up for them? Yeah, they're incredible, incredible. For all of you at home, it's all made possible by our video team who works tirelessly to bring the worship experience that's happening in this room into your home and the room that you're at today. Uh, I'm just so grateful uh, for the team we get, I get to serve with. Uh, we call ourselves City Sound Worship because I really believe that everyone from our audio to video to stage team really creates an atmosphere of worship that we get to experience uh, together. Uh, I've been here, like I said, for seven years, and I will be married two years in August to my beautiful wife, Emily. Yeah, Emily's amazing. She's down front here today, and she was actually running one of the cameras on on stage earlier uh, on the piano over there. And uh, Emily and I uh, live about 20 minutes away in Nicholasville. Um, uh, We live on a farm, and the beauty of us living on a farm is that I probably don't look like your average farmer. Um, because I'm not that good of a farmer. Um, here's exactly uh, how I know that we're farmers now because we've taken this picture. And uh, that, is the, that is the quintessential uh, farmer portrait that you have to have when you when you buy a farm. Now, I was in 4-H for 10 years. Anyone do 4-H here as a kid? Yeah, 4-H. Oh, claps for 4-H. Wow, all of us. I just don't, won't say anything else about it. Um... <laughs> Uh, to give you some examples, I learned how to build like a lawnmower engine. I learned how to do woodworking. I also learned some other interesting things, like I was a clown for a couple years. I learned clowning uh, checker 's the clown I had a skill set of of uh, tying balloons, uh, making balloon animals. So let me know if you want some balloon animals. I'll promise I'll show some pictures someday. Um, I also learned crocheting because I thought I was signing up to like do like model craft, like with model cars, but they sent me a book for needlecraft instead. And so that summer, as like a fourth grader, you're like, all right, I'm going to learn how to crochet <laughs> this summer. So um, I've absolutely uh, loved 4-H for the years I did it. And one of the things I did for a lot of years was I raised goats out of my uncle's farm and. Um, My favorite goat, his name was Jacob. I named him Jacob and he uh, I, I helped his mother uh, all through pregnancy and, and born and, and helped birth Jacob. And Jacob, actually, we bottle fed him on day one. Um, we, I raised him, trimmed his hooves, took away his manhood, all the things that you do to help raise livestock in a farming community. And after a couple of years, I got to show him at the county fair. And guess what? Jacob got grand champion at the county fair. That's like the best goat in the entire fair. And the reason why this is important, not only because he was a great friend and it just taught me a lot about life, but because he was grand champion, he sold for $500 to the pepperoni factory, like way more than I thought. (laughs) My wife hates that story because she is a lover of all animals. And she has made it very clear on our farm, all animals will be pets. They will not be used uh, for selling or for pepperoni factories. Um, I promise Emily, that won't happen. At least you won't know about it. If, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> uh, so we live um, on a farm, like I said, uh, with our dog Binks and our uh, our uh, Tennessee Walker Lucky and our Shetland Pony. His name's Snowflake. And let's just say Snowflake isn't the brightest tool in the crayon box. Like he's a special, he's a special Shetland Pony. Uh, we love him a lot. Um, our farm is called Green Cedar Farms, and like I said, it's out there in Nicholasville, and uh, we, we're doing Christmas trees. That's what we are farming is Christmas trees, and uh, also have a music venue out there. And um, as I've learned how to plant trees, and learned how to plant vegetables and different things at our farm, and create this farm homestead atmosphere, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I want to share with you one of them. Uh, we had Lex City Youth over a couple of nights ago. Any high schoolers here today that were over at the house? Yeah? Okay, awesome. Uh, we had a lot of fun just playing volleyball and hanging out and playing games. And one of the things we decided to do was have a bonfire. And so we stacked up a bunch of wood and things. And then we thought it would be a great idea to go on Craigslist and like find some couches So we found some free couches, and then we stacked some couches and more things on top of it, and I thought, this is gonna be great. And uh, Pastor Zach took this video of of what happened. When you do a bonfire, and then the fire truck shows up. Big Josh Stop Farm, handling the fire truck right now. Leg City Youth night, full in effect. It's not... It's not a party till the fire truck shows up! Hey Josh. Yeah. What's yeah. going on here? Uh, made a fire too close to the to the woods. <laughs> it's 150 so, feet, so is they, what you need from the woods. So they gonna put it out for you? They're gonna put it out for us. Man, this party is lit! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so we live on top of a hill and just in the south side of Nicholasville. And uh, when we lit that fire, it was like as tall as those trees. It was like 50 feet up in the air. And so the whole town of Nicholasville could see this fire. So no one actually called the fire department. The fire department just stepped outside and went, oh, there's a fire on that hill. And they showed up to the house. Um, So they were amazing. Thank you so much, Nicholasville Fire Department, for keeping us safe. And they were awesome. They were really kind. They didn't find us, which is amazing. And I learned, try to keep fires 150 feet away from brush. So tonight, if you're doing some fireworks... Uh, Just keep them away from brush, it's dangerous for some reason, uh, I guess it is. Um, (laughs) So today it's an honor to get to speak to you and uh, to get to read God's word together. And um, for those of you uh, maybe here on holiday or maybe it's one of your first uh, times to Lex City Church, we're going through the book of Ephesians for our summer series called Summer at Lex City. And so if you'd like to, you can get out your phones and go to lexcity.info, you can click on the message notes slide and uh, you can follow along with the scripture that we have there today. So Ephesians is probably one of the top, my top five favorite books of the Bible, um, Philippians, John, uh, Ephesians, uh, Galatians, and Psalms, or whatever book I'm reading that week usually. But those are kind of like my top five that I, that I usually uh, love the most. And the Apostle Paul gives us a very clear picture of what it means to know Jesus In the first three chapters of this six chapter book. Um, This week we're gonna be talking about chapters three and four, so we're kind of in this transition from the first half, which he talks about to know Jesus, and the second half, which is really, how do I follow Jesus? Which goes perfectly along with what our mission statement is here at Lex City to know, follow, and share Jesus. So today let's look at Ephesians chapter three. Um, uh, Paul, actually, this is a prayer uh, to the Ephesians that helps them understand the importance of trusting, believing, and investing in our relationship with Jesus. Ephesians chapter three. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul concludes this prayer with this beautiful benediction. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. I'm sure the Ephesians and some of us here today can read that passage and go, yes, that's exactly what I want. That's why I got up and drove to church or tuned in online to LexCity.tv I want to have a purpose, I want there to be meaning in my life, and I want to know God more. Paul also reminds us, as we grow in understanding God, that we don't know what we don't know. And this is a phrase that's meant a lot to me, you don't know what you don't know over this past season. Um, Anytime someone talks to me about politics or a different point of view uh, or other people's decisions, um, something that I have to remind myself is I don't know what I don't know. I don't know how that other person walks in their shoes. And, and definitely this applies to understanding of God that I don't know what I don't know about God. We're also reminded uh, the reason that we're gathered here today. It says glory to God in the church for all generations. And that's why Emily and I love to invest our time and resources and energy into Lex City. We want to see this happen. We want to see God glorified not only in our life but for generations and generations to come. You know why our church, like City, is so passionate about families around here? It's because families who bring glory to God pass that down from generation to generation, and then through that, the kingdom of God advances. Maybe your family is like Pastor Brian's family, where he's passed his faith down from him to his kids, or, and he got his faith from his father and his grandfather. Or maybe you're more like myself where I don't really have a patriarch of faith in my family. My grandparents walked away from faith or they've really severely downsized it in their life. So if it wasn't for my parents being plugged into a local church, I would be on what Shane Pruitt calls the four generation fade. And I think this is really important. So uh, he tweeted this earlier in January so I wanted to put that up. This is the four generation fade. It starts with parents who don't make a church, make church a high priority for their kids. Then the next generation, the kids grow up and they make it less of a priority for their kids. And then those kids grow up and make it no priority for those kids. And in four generations, the kids grow up with no concept of God, no understanding of the fullness of life they could have, no understanding of the freedom and grace that we live in just from this four-generation fade. This is why our Pastor Brian so often speaks for the needs of families, and many of you here today have kids in Kid City or Lex City Youth, and and you're modeling this high priority of church for them. Others of you are like Emily and I, and we don't have kids, but we understand the importance of helping to be a part of a church family that builds up generations of Christ followers. And we do that by volunteering our time and giving of our resources and money. See, I believe in what we're doing here together and I want to see just like Paul desires, the people glorifying Jesus and the church for generations to come. It's amazing to me that 2,000 years later I can read this passage in Ephesians and I say, yes, that's what I want to experience, the fullness of life in our church, the fullness of life for the generations in our church. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And maybe you're asking yourself that today. You walked in here going, I want to be part of something that's bigger than me. Well, Paul leads us into chapter four. Now chapter four is hard, (laughs) y'all. It's about to get real, are y'all ready for chapter four? Wow. Yeah, you ready? Okay, so here's, Paul points to the church people, us here in church, and he says, so you want to experience something greater? Well, it's time to grow up. And this is how he lands on it's time to grow up. He says in Ephesians four, there will be, uh, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of a new teaching. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ Jesus. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, Paul says in this moment, stop acting like children. Grow up, church. Nothing speaks to the immaturity of a Christ follower more than causing disunity in his body, in the body of Lex City, in the body of the church, by putting down a fellow Christ follower, or putting down your church or, or another church or putting down a pastor. When the parts of our body fight against each other, it always causes pain, right? See, if you haven't noticed, I, I'm a large man. I'm also a clumsy man. And on Thursdays, I try to play basketball with uh, members of our staff team here. And and I can't tell you how many times I trip over my own two feet, that when my body doesn't work together, it causes me pain. Or like when my eye-hand coordination is a lot more eye than it is hand that day and the ball just flies right into my face or flies right past me, it causes pain. Or one of my pet peeves of like, the most unintentional self-inflicted pain that we can have, in my opinion, is biting your tongue or your lip. How many of you hate that? Oh, I hate it. So, so for me, like I love sushi. Anyone, anyone here loves sushi? Yeah, sushi fans. I love sushi. Let's go get sushi sometime. So, like if I'm eating a big piece of tuna sashimi, which is just like a piece of meat, and I put it in my mouth, like, like. My teeth, for some reason, don't understand the difference between my tongue and the sashimi and I just bite down and it hurts and I'm in the middle of blue sushi just like yelling and screaming. So if you ever see me there, it's because I probably bit my tongue on some sashimi. See, it causes us pain when our body doesn't work well together. A few scriptures back, Paul urges us to be united, to be kind, to believe the best in one another and in turn make our lives more like Jesus's. Let's look at Ephesians 4 again. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, because Paul was in prison when he was writing this, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love, making every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body, and one spirit, and just as you all have been called to one glorious hope for the future. I would bet that most of us in this room have spent a lot of time in our lives wondering about our purpose. Like outside of surviving the nine to five or getting the kids to school or taking care of family. What does lead a life worthy of your calling mean? God speaks of a unique plan that he has for us in passages like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11, where he talks that he has a plan for good, for your future, for your hope. And a lot of times when we think of God's plan, we think, well, this must be the calling. And that this calling is just a set of tasks and goals that God wants us to accomplish. But Paul reminds us throughout scripture that our calling is much more than what we just do for God. See, a follower of Jesus is called to a lifelong surrender of glorifying God in everything they do. That is our calling, friends. When Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, the most important thing that we are called to do by God, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Jesus didn't say, make sure you get everything on your spiritual to-do list done before you die. That's the most important thing. No, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. See, we can look at this from different Bible characters. So Noah had the task of building an ark, but he lived for 350 years after the ark was built. In the 350 years, guess what? He was living out his calling by glorifying God. Moses led the, people out of, led, the led the Israelites out of Egypt, and he lived for 40 years after that and wandering the desert. Those moments in the desert, he was glorifying God. He was living out his calling. Even Jesus, who died for our sins on a cross so we could be set free by grace, he came back and for 40 days, he glorified God here on earth. See, for the characters of the Bible, what's, what's written in the Bible is kind of like their Instagram profile. We just see the highlights and the notable moments, both good and bad. But what were they called to, to do day in and day out? They were called to glorify God in everything that they did. My point is that if you're here today and and you're spending your time waiting for God to send you a to-do list, then you will miss out on his greater purpose for your life. So before we start talking about God's plan and God's will, you need to know this. And if this is the only thing you get from this word today, please listen up. What God does in you is more important than what God does through you. Let's do that one more time so you can write it down. What God does in you is more important than what God does through you. Paula D'Arcy says this, she says, God comes to you disguised as your life. See, I believe God is moving in your everyday life for all of us here, whether you choose to recognize it and glorify him or not. See, my relationship with God is not about a religion. As I sang on Father's Day, it is more like a friendship. Jesus Christ is my best friend and he's been there through every moment of my life, the good and the bad, even when I didn't recognize him. So for me, my calling and your calling is greater than a to-do list, friends. It is worshiping and glorifying Jesus and everything. It's loving God with everything we have and allowing his spirit to transform our hearts to be more like Jesus. I think the separation here is important between our calling and what we do because as humans, I know for myself, maybe I'm just preaching to myself today, that we are so susceptible to believing that our identity is wrapped up in what we do. See, creatives that I work with, maybe on our creative team, our worship team, like we do this all the time. We may say things like, if you don't like my writing or my art or my song or my voice, then you must not like me. We wrap our identity so tightly around what we do that we miss out on the fullness of what God has for us. Uh, Last summer, Pastor Brian led us in a series on racial reconciliation. And If you haven't got a chance to check it out, you can watch it on uh, lexcity.tv or you can go to lexcity.church backslash racial-reconciliation and check out the resources there. One of the things I learned was my potential bias for seeing people's worth by what they did, specifically in the workplace, my, my friend, Greg Ross, uh, he was up uh, grilling on Father's Day when we had the grillers up here. Um, and he spoke from his perspective during the series as a former black police officer and now a school principal. He pointed this out while I was on a film shoot with him one day. And, and I'd asked him for the video, you know, Greg, what do you do? And I knew the answer already was, was elementary school principal. But re- regardless of race, he explained to me that he always asks this question when someone asks that to him. He said, are you trying to get to know me or are you trying to see if I'm worth getting to know? See, I look up to Greg and and I hope that someday I can be as great of a leader and great of a father as he is. And I learned in that moment that I had a bias of believing and empathizing with Greg's thoughts on race issues because of his title of being a principal and a former police officer, probably more than my other black friends. So today I hope that you hear me when I say that all of us have a greater calling and purpose than a job title or a label or a task. So if my identity is rooted in who Jesus says I am and I'm not, spirit, I'm not, and I'm not focused on a spiritual or worldly goal, how do I start to see God's unique plan for my life? If you're asking that today, well, here comes Paul for the win. <laughs> Paul says in verse eight of chapter four, he said, God has given each one of us a spiritual gift through the generosity of Christ. The Greek used for the word gift can also be translated into the word grace, meaning that we uh, weren't owed these gifts, that they were undeserving and only given to us through the power of Jesus Christ. And this isn't a profoundly new idea in the Bible. See, Paul is actually referencing from the book of Psalms that speaks that the savior of the world, Jesus would give people gifts. So the spiritual gifts are often a controversial topic in churches for, for hundreds of thousands of years. It's been a theological topic that has split up churches and denominations physically and theologically. And the irony is, is that if we look at this passage that Paul just got done talking for multiple paragraphs about unity and being for each other and believing the best in one another, and then we get stuck on these couple sentences a lot of the times in churches. So let's just look at what the word says today. Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So you may be asking, what are spiritual gifts? And how do I know what gifts I've been given to carry out the plan that God has for me in my life? So I'm gonna put it very simply today if spiritual gifts is a new concept for you. It's simply this. Spiritual gifts are given to us to help others know God more. It's a selfless thing. Spiritual gifts are given to us to help others know God more. The Bible speaks to multiple spiritual gifts um, here in Ephesians 4, but he also talks about them in, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. And actually on Lexity.info, I've gone ahead and listed all the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible in a, in a quick description of what they are so you can see if that's a potential spiritual gift that you have. Today, so you can get out your phones, go to lexi.info to look for that list. Today, you're hearing God's teaching through my words. So, I'm using one of my gifts of teaching to help you know God more. Maybe you walked into church today and someone made you feel loved uh, by Jesus just by welcoming you to the door, and some of those people on our team out there have the gift of hospitality. Maybe you have a passion for a new ministry or to build a church in another city or another country and you, are, you have the gift of an apostle. Maybe you're someone who has a gift of leadership and you could use that gift of leadership in our church to lead a grow group, a Bible study, or a life group. See, I used to work in a church in Europe and We had satellite churches in Germany and Italy and Spain and we often had pastors that even just a sentence or two were able to miraculously communicate uh, to our people that were there or that the attendees of an event would be able to understand English which they've never understood English before. And God was glorified in those moments through the gift of tongues. Or maybe today you have the gift of faith and no matter what rises up against you or the church, you can defend your church and the promises of God. If you've never thought about your spiritual gifts until today, maybe you're looking at this list or list or description on Lexity.info, and you ask another question. You say, "How do I know which spiritual gifts I have?" We'll take a few minutes to look at that. There are tests online, and as you know, everything on the internet is true. So you could take those tests. I'm just kidding. Uh, Those tests are are fine, but I've seen multiple teachers explain it this way uh, through this diagram. So let's look at this together. So uh, first, we're going to look at these three things. First is, what are you good at? Your ability. You believe that you have uh, success in exercising this specific gift. Uh, Secondly is, what are you passionate about? For the sake of alliteration, we'll call this your affinity. (laughs) Uh, you're drawn to an idea of adventure, maybe. So the gift of an apostle would be something that you could have. What What are you passionate about? What's your affinity? And the third thing you'll see on this diagram is what other people have seen in you, what they've experienced, how they've experienced God through you. Or this would be an affirmation, and that's probably one of the most important of the most important of the three. So I encourage you to ask someone in your life who has seen God work in your life without telling them the affinity of what you're passionate about. Hey, what do you see in me? Especially if there's someone who has a gift of knowledge or a gift of faith or discernment. I can't tell you in my life how many times I've gone to Pastor Helen and asked her to pray about something or ask what she sees in a situation or what she sees in myself because I trust her gift of discernment. Having someone that can affirm your spiritual gifts is incredibly important. Where all three of these things combine is where your spiritual gift is. And you can find, again, that list at lexi.info, and you would be able to find a spiritual gift that God has given you. So why is it important for you to know what what spiritual gift you have? See, God has made a unique and good plan for you to live out your calling of glorifying him. And your plan has been designed around your specific spiritual gifts. And if you ignore them and ignore God's plan in your life to advance his kingdom through you, well, quite frankly, it just won't get done. Whatever he had planned won't happen. Have you ever seen a need in in the city or a need in your church that you're passionate about? And it's a lot easier to just like write a complaint letter to the town council or write a complaint letter to a pastor and say, hey, we need to do something about this. Or maybe in that moment, God has designed you uniquely To advance his kingdom in the way that you see. How much healthier our body, the church, would be if, when we saw a need, we went to Pastor Brian and said, Pastor Brian, how can I help? Now, we can't always do everything as a church, and most of the time, as a staff, we see those needs as well, but ministry takes time and it takes resources and money. This is why when we announced this month that we're preparing to give away thousands of dollars of school supplies and needs to under-resourced families, we'll ask you, the church, if you can help volunteer and sign up to give regularly. And signing up to give regularly is important because that way we can plan out what ministry is gonna happen. And when someone says, hey, I have this idea, I have this need, we can go, actually, we can do that. See, we're working together as one body to carry out the vision that God has given people. Maybe a passion God has given you and what he calls our church in the ways to glorify him through loving the people in our city just like Jesus did. See, we need to be a church of people who are willing to grow up and bring their spiritual gifts forward. We need wise people. We need people who have mercy. We need people filled with faith and we need people who are great leaders, people who are servants and people who see everyone just like Jesus sees them. And those people are sitting in this room. They're you. They're the church. The other reason knowing your spiritual gift is important, Paul explains it, it's because you experience the fullness of God and God's will and plan in your life when you know your spiritual gifts and you use your spiritual gifts. The greatest experiences in my entire life has been when God has used me to help or minister to someone. You get this sense that I was made for this. And that's easy to say right now because I'm holding a microphone teaching you all, but I have that same sense when I'm here during the weekdays, if I'm cleaning out a supply closet or or praying with someone or just leading a small group. I have the sense of I was made for this because I'm using my spiritual gift. And now it's not just within the church because yes, we gather here to experience God together through worship and teaching and through prayer and community, but what God wants to do through our collective spiritual gifts is more important out there than it is in here. When the people in the book of Acts, when they were living in the fullness of their gifting from God, they saw miracles on miracles and the blessings of the church And of the 40 miracles that we saw in the book of Acts, only one of them actually took place within the walls of the church. The other 39 were out in the world, out with the people, out with us using our spiritual gifts amongst people who didn't know Jesus to glorify him. See, Paul's vision wasn't for the church to be a group of people standing around a charismatic leader with charismatic vision and prayers, waiting for the next challenge, Just like a dog waiting for their owner to throw the ball one more time. Paul saw the church as a place for people to worship God and to become equipped using their unique unique gifts to build his church. We want Lex City to be a church of people who minister to those in their workplaces, who minister to those in their schools, to serve the least of these in our city and for us to experience the fullness of life through God Everywhere that we go, church. Maybe today you're hearing this message and you've been searching for a purpose and a plan for your life, and you're going, Okay, this resonates with me. I'm gonna read more Ephesians this week. And you've looked at this list and you're drawn to some of these things on the list, but you haven't seen any of them happen in your life. Maybe you've been around church your whole life and You call yourself a Christian if someone asks you what religion you are. Paul is clear, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you won't experience his plan. You won't experience his purpose for your life. You won't experience the fullness and the fulfilled life that Paul talks about here in Ephesians. So with all of us here today, and those of you watching online, I'm gonna ask you, Do you have a relationship, a friendship with Jesus? Do you want to start today inviting him into everything that you do to experience the fullness of life? Having a relationship with Jesus isn't about living the perfect life. See, I started following Jesus 18 years ago and Lord knows my life has not been perfect. But a relationship with Jesus allows me to look at Jesus as the example and strive towards that in my faults and my failures and in my sin and in my shame and accept his grace that he died to give me and the freedom that I find through Jesus. Friends, he really is my greatest friend. Jesus has been there through everything in my life and he's been there through everything in your life. And I want you to have the opportunity to start a friendship by believing in him. Today, if you want that relationship, or maybe you haven't been to church in a long time and you want to restart that relationship with Jesus, in a moment, I'm gonna say a prayer and it's a really simple prayer, it's not a magical prayer, it's not the words that save you, but it's the posture of your heart and that you believe these words today. So if you're desiring to find purpose and meaning in your life, and you want to follow after the one that can bring you that today. I pray that you surrender and follow after Jesus. Friends, let's pray together. Just pray this in your heart today if you want a relationship with Jesus or to restart that friendship with him today. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Beyond what I've known of religion and ritual, I want a real friendship with you. I admit that I am not perfect and I've fallen short through my sin And I believe today that you are the one true God. And by your grace, I have been set free from my past, my sin and my shame. And today I want to start following after you for a greater purpose and to experience through the spirit of God, the fullness of life. Now, with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer today, if you said, yes, I want a new relationship with Jesus, I want a fresh start. I want him to be the savior of my life. And you prayed that prayer today. I would love to pray for you this week. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, would you just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer today so I can know who to pray for? Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Amen, amen. Hands up all across this room. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for meeting us here today. We love you, God. your name we pray, amen. Well, friends, can we just celebrate those who prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus? Thank you so much for taking a step towards faith today. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, you can... You can text, there's a number that's gonna go on the screen. You can text Jesus to 859-277-2014. We'd love to send you some resources of how you can restart this relationship with Jesus, or uh, we have a gift for you down front or in the Welcome Center as well. Uh, It's a really cool key that just says, I'm forgiven. something you can remember today as a day that you wanted to restart or start a relationship with Jesus Christ today. I'll be down front after service. Um, We'll have people in the Welcome Center. We'd love to talk to you if you wanna talk more about that relationship with Jesus. Well, today friends, I encourage you to ask God what spiritual gifts you have, what he has given you. And for those who said yes to Jesus today, be ready to see those spiritual gifts form in your life. Look at your ability and your affinity and others affirmation in your life and start asking God, how he can use you to help others grow in him during this next season. Now, church, we have about a month until our ministry season starts in August where we have a lot more events and groups and volunteer opportunities around the church. So you have about a month to just pray about this and say, okay, God, how can I use my gifts to glorify you in my calling and to live out the plan that you have in my life? Church, it's time for us to step out. It's time for us to step up And as Paul says, it's time for us to grow up, church. So let's close uh, the service today by really doing exactly what Paul's vision was for the church, worshiping together and saying how great God is. So friends, would you stand today as we worship God together?